0: Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, hey, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith, all the way from shiny old England. Now, What about storytelling? We live in this world of content marketing. We live in this world where storytelling is right at the forefront of everything that we do as marketers, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, and really as people. It's what we do. As Plato said, storytellers rule the world. That's a quote from my guest today, by the way. I've not pulled that one out of the hat. But the trouble is, if you're anything like me and a lot of people that I tend to be around in my daily, daily business, then you work in tech, you work in digital. Storytelling isn't always the easiest thing. Sometimes it's very easy to dive into features and into tech and how you can create the next revolutionary Uber-based product just because you've got this new piece of technology or you can make something a little bit more efficient. The trouble is, if you are a tech CEO, this is not going to let you pitch to the maximum effect and gain you that investment that you need. And that is the issue that we are going to define challenge and conquer today, how you can storify your entire business to help you gain that kind of investment and actually really solidify your pitch. And joining me today is a real expert in this field, someone that I've had the pleasure of speaking to on a number of occasions and genuinely one of the nicest people you will ever meet in podcasting. From Selling Secrets for Funding, welcome to the show, John Liversay. How are you doing, sir?
1: Mark, thanks. Great to be here. And what a wonderful kind Introduction. I really appreciate that.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. It really is. It really, really is. And uh, obviously we've spoken in the past before, John, and we sort of connect on Facebook and Twitter and regularly via email. But for the guys listening out there, just give us a little bit of background. So what is it that you do?
1: Mm, Sure. Well... What I do is I help founders craft a compelling pitch for getting investors. A lot of, as you were saying, tech CEOs in particular struggle with how to have a pitch that's memorable and grabs the heartstrings and pulls hard with what you're doing because investors hear over 2,500 pitches on average in a year and only fund 25 of them. And part of the reason is the people pitching are pitching from the left brain, the tech numbers, how something works, this feature isn't this cool, as opposed to telling a story that compels people to sit up, take notice, and then remember it. I like to say that people remember your stories, Mark, not your numbers.
0: Yeah, it's a massive, massive deal. And it's something that we've learned. You guys following the blog at excellence-expected.com, you'll know that we are deep in, as we re- uh, record this and release this on the 22nd of February 2016, we are deep into Startup Diaries, which is is a, a blog series that I'm sort of running as part of my involvement in cavalry, which is going through the Ignite Accelerator, pro- Accelerator program here in London. And... John, everything you mentioned there strikes a chord. I remember when we did our first pitch to the angel investors there, we were very careful to tell the story. And not because we knew any better, but just because it was the only way that we knew to get across the problem that we were trying to solve. And Mm. we found it, to be honest, quite a challenge. I'm I'm the sort of CEO side of it, so I'm the kind of business development side of it. So I'm I'm kind of into this. And my partner adam he's the cto he's the the chief technical officer and that you know he's he's on about the features he's talking about what we can achieve with this technology and when you put the two minds together it was such a challenge to craft that pitch because you had one guy pulling one way and one guy pulling the other way and how do you deal with that because the the founder I guess the founder makeup generally is that of you've got the CEO on the business end and you've got a CTO on the technical end. Is that something you butt up against quite a lot, trying to find that balance?
1: Oh, yes. it's First of all, you know, most people are either an engineer mindset or they're a sales storytelling mindset. And rarely do they both... You know we all have our strengths if you ask me to sit down and code something i'd be like Ugh. Um, but if you asked me to tell a story because i've been focused on being a storyteller my whole career um, from learning how to sell advertising and bringing the stories to life from working at condé Nast for a number of years and writing a book called the seven most powerful selling secrets which brings that to life and now hosting a whole podcast on storytelling i hear time and time again how difficult it is and so i have ways to help people who say, well, I don't know how to tell a story. And I just tell you that it is in your DNA. you know, as cavemen used to sit around the campfire and tell stories to each other and now we sit around the glow of a PowerPoint or keynote (laughs) and tell stories. So once you have that awareness that it's literally in your DNA to tell a story and that's what allows you to not only sell yourself to investors but sell yourself to customers and sell yourself to people that you want to get to join your team. So once you master storytelling, there's so many uses to it. There's a lot of genres of storytelling and if you'd like, I'd be happy to go into the four basic genres of storytelling that I think will help make it so much easier for people who don't even know where to start. Without a doubt. I think that's really worthwhile, absolutely. All right. So the first genre of storytelling is this rags-to-riches story. In other words, a classic movie example of that is Cinderella, right? She was poor. And covered in ash and sitting by the fireplace. And then she became this princess and, you know, became married the prince and became rich. Well, that's the genre that Johnny Walker Scotch uses to tell their brand story. They talk about how there, he was a poor farmer and now he became this wealthy, you know, successful Johnny Walker. So it's very important to start thinking of yourself and your company as a brand and figure out, okay, what genre do I want to go into? So another genre is The Quest, right? It's Lord of the Rings is a classic example of that kind of uh, storytelling in a movie. And Lexus has decided to use that genre for their brand. And their tagline is the pursuit of perfection, going on that quest that you never really finish. The third genre is Rebirth, the movie It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. you know that movie, Mark? I love that movie. Yes, me too. So it's, you know, what would happen if you, you know, weren't here and what is your second chance? Prudential uses that genre for storytelling with your retirement is a rebirth. It's your third act. It's time to reinvent yourself. So that just, you know, starts to give you a sense of it. The, The fourth one is, you know, leave home and then come back and tell a story about that. Well, the classic example of that, of course, is Wizard of Oz. And Expedia uses that genre of storytelling for their brand and says, okay, go take a trip that you book on Expedia, have an amazing experience, and then come back and tell all your friends about it. So is that helpful? You see, there's four examples there, each with a genre, each with a movie and each with a brand.
0: I think it's really relatable as well, John, the the idea that you've got to relate a story to your brand as well, I think is something that may be alien to so many people. We've talked about brand on the show and obviously owning a brand agency, is something that's really at the front of my <laughs> mind, but it, mm. So many people still confuse, first of all, one visual identity. Okay, we get that that's not branding, but then people don't necessarily know where to look. And it is your story. You know, the story is the complete central focal point of your brand. So when you're working with people, so you're working with tech CEOs and you're working in this kind of space, how do you define what type of story you want to tell? How do you pick from those four?
1: Well, the first thing I do is I help them identify, you know, there's lots of places to get good stories from, right? There's your family. <laughs> we all have stories about our family. Then we can repeat trips. a lot of
0: those, John. We can't yes. repeat a lot of those. <laughs> then
1: you know, then there's places, you know, you could talk about an experience you had or a trip you took as a source of a trip. What I love to do with the tech CEOs that I work with is help them, figure out their brand story from saying, how did you come up with a name? What made you so passionate about this? Tell me the story of origin. That's a great place to start because investors are looking for you to answer two questions when you pitch them for funding. Why you and why now? And within that, why you is the perfect opportunity to tell a story of origin, of how you came up with the idea, how you are personally the right person to execute this idea. And usually if it has something to do with your own personal experience, the why you're so passionate about solving this problem? Then that's the story they're going to remember. Let me give you an example. One of my clients, Martin, very successful, uh, uh, ex- you know, ex- person in working at BMW in Germany. But he said, you know, I, you know, tend to talk about the tech part of everything, and I don't really know how to come up with a story. And I said, well, let's just start on building your confidence because that's really the first element of being a good storyteller is having confidence in what you're doing. And Arthur Ashe said the key to success is confidence and the key to confidence is preparation. So Mark, one of the key things to remember and for your listeners to take away is you must Practice your storytelling. You cannot just wing it. It should sound conversational and not robotic, but you have to practice it to get it to that level. In other words, you know, Helen Mirren and all the great actors of the world don't get up and wing it. They rehearse it, practice it. And then they know it so well, they don't even have to look like they're, uh, saying it from memory or have practiced it before. So it seems spontaneous, but you cannot get up and wing a story. So Martin, I said, tell me a moment of certainty. And I had him list, you know, five or six. And he said, that was a very powerful exercise for me. And I said, well, tell me one of them. He said, well, I grew up in the Netherlands, but I'm originally from South America. And when I turned 18, my parents took me back there and dropped me off in the Amazon jungle naked to survive for two weeks because in my culture, that's the rite of passage into manhood. And when I survived, that was a moment of certainty. And I said, guess what, Martin? We just found the opening to your pitch because that gives me goosebumps. Tell me what you learned in the Amazon jungle. So I learned how to focus and I learned how to pivot and even persevere when things weren't working. And I said, "Great. We're going to take those lessons from the Amazon jungle into the concrete jungle of being an entrepreneur." And after we crafted that story, he then won a pitch contest and got the funding he needed, all because he had confidence and he had a great story. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that what I really like about that is that very often in a pitch very often you know if you do speaking gigs you and I were talking about doing speaking gigs in the pre-interview chatter you you lose your way sometimes you do you lose your way and it's very 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 useful to be able to have a story to anchor to as well just to get you back on track and for all intents and purposes it can look like part of the pitch or the the speaking um gig that you're doing you know it can look like that but actually to you you know that that is your go-to story that is that is where you flow from so I think that's really, really useful. And is, is there, when you're talking to these founders and when you're talking to especially the CTO side of things, do you ever have trouble getting people to be genuine? And I, I don't mean that in a, in a, you know, they're trying to be false on purpose, but trying right. to get them to really dig deep and open up and be really themselves when they're in this world of, you know, I mean, it's a big, bright world of tech startups at the end of the day. You know, <laughs> you, people feel like they've got to be a certain way. Can, how do you get them to be themselves?
1: Well, I, I go into their world first and I use terms that they can relate to. I said, let's reverse engineer this pitch. And they, oh, they love that. Right. Because they (laughs) reverse engineer things all the time. So now I've got them thinking left brain and then I slowly guide them into it. And I said, so I know the people who are very left brain in tech love process and they love steps. And so I said, you know, let's break storytelling into three steps, shall we? So far they're completely with me, right? I said, the first step is exposition who, what, where, when the second step of a good story is some kind of conflict. And then the final part of the story is some kind of resolution. So they go, Oh, okay. So I said, let's go back to that Martin story. I just told you when I'm working with Martin on the exposition and he was practicing that with me, sometimes he would forget to leave, he would leave out the part about that in his culture, that's the rite of passage into manhood to be dropped off naked in the jungle for two weeks. And I said, Martin, if you leave that line out, it sounds like child abuse. And he laughed and said, Oh, got it. So exposition, you need just enough to paint the picture, but not too much because you bore people. But if you leave a lot key elements out, then they don't have a sense of where the story's going. So once I get people to really understand that there's a structure to it, and it's just like coding or whatever else they're used to with left brain, it really helps that transition into storytelling. And then I just get people, I keep asking them questions and then what happened and then what happened and tell me more. And eventually you get to the core authentic belief or passion. And then once I said, okay, that's what we're going to use for your pitch because investors invest in the jockey, not the horse. And everyone has the misconception that the investors are going to so fall in love with their idea. Uh, that they're going to give them the money for that. And I said, no, they need to know who you are. That's the number one criteria is, are you the right person? Do I like and trust you? Do I think you can execute this? Because the idea is probably going to pivot. So I need to really know that I am putting my money in you and your ability to handle problems.
0: Well, that's a a really interesting point as well. This idea that, you know, you, you hear it so often that It's about the people, you know, the the investors very often, certainly at angel stage and so on, they they invest in the people versus the idea. And the storytelling, I would imagine, just lends itself so well to that. You know, you are actually humanizing yourselves as founders, as well as pitching your idea at the end of the day. You know, it shows that you have all these talents and these traits, but also that you're a, a workable person. You can get along with people. And how do you, when you're working with people to develop that kind of process, how do you get them to really understand that, you know, when you've generated this idea, which frankly, a lot of the time, you know, it's, it's, it's your baby, you know, this is about Mm -hmm. the idea. How would you get people to put as much focus on the personality side of things as the idea side
1: of things? Is that a bit of a struggle as well? Well, yes, it goes back to the, you know, the confidence level of I'm confident that I'm the right person to do it. so there's a fine line mark between confidence and arrogance. And sometimes I have to dial people down a little bit and sometimes I have to dial their confidence up. And one of the other tools besides stacking your moments of certainty is I tell people, the goal is not to get rid of the butterflies in your stomach when you're presenting, but to get them to fly in formation they're like, ah, so you're going to be nervous, right? This is your A game. This is the Super Bowl of meetings when you're pitching an investor. So don't be nervous and talk too fast sometimes when you get nervous. But you use that adrenaline rush and make a gesture. But again, the more practice you have, the more confident you have. And then there's something called the superhero pose. Have you heard about this? I have vaguely, yeah. But go over it, yeah, if you don't mind. It's just such a great tool to have in your bag of tricks, right? Because you want to have as many things as possible to have you come across as confident. And imagine how much more prepared you are and confident you are if you're doing all these things, stacking your moments of certainty, practicing, and then finally the superhero pose, which is literally standing like Wonder Woman or Superman, depending on your genre or whatever you identify with best. And you stand up, you put your shoulders back, you put your hands on your hip and you imagine a cape with the wind blowing and you hold that for two minutes and you have your testosterone level go up, even if you're a woman, and your cortisol level goes down, which is your stress cortisol. And surgeons do this before surgery. And if you just do it before you leave your home or you do it in the hallway where no one's looking, right before you go into pitch, it will be yet another tool to have you be your best self.
0: That's very interesting. I've heard people talk about that kind of thing. Um, And that's why I was sort of, I didn't want to go too deep into that in case I got it wrong. But yeah, that's Mm -hmm. the kind of thing that I've heard before. And I really like the idea of of, of preparing yourself. And it's that whole confidence comes through competence. And, you know, you can only really go in there fully prepared when you actually when you feel confident. I know that sounds weird because you're always going to have nerves, but you do get to a point where you understand the nerves are just that, they're nerves. It's not fear of being underprepared. It's not fear of not knowing what you're talking about or not knowing your market or your product or your story. So I do like that idea. And is there any, do you go through any process with people? Have you got any kind of, you know, specific, I wouldn't say the word template, but a workflow that you go through with people pre-pitch?
1: Oh, yes. Well, first of all, um, I work with Judy Robinette, who we both know, and we have this, you know, entire step-by-step system called Crack the Funding Code. And within that is a whole module devoted to crafting your pitch. And it's important to see what pitches have been funded and, you know, what your content is. So we really work on the content slide by slide and making sure that it all makes sense logically and that the whole thing is a story from beginning to end. And then we work on making sure that you're delivery is good and having you practice that so first you you can't work on both simultaneously so I tell people let's just get the content down and then we'll, we'll work on the delivery aspect of it and part of that content is having this right brain connection this storytelling element of it so when you're Let's say you know, every pitch should have a team slide, right? Because that's one of the key things that you need to pitch is why this is the right team to execute this. So instead of just reading someone's bio or where they went to school, investors typically aren't really interested in that. What they are interested in is how did you get them to join your team? What are they doing? Tell a story of a problem that you solved as a team. That's much more compelling than just reading someone's bio. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And I think you, you need... Um that commonality as well, you know, you need that kind of anchor point. We were talking to an investor last week and I I, I recognised that he was from somewhere near to where we live and instantly you've got that that common point of conversation which I think is so valuable in just, you know, the little anecdotes that you can throw around and the way that you understand a little bit more about their lives. You just, you humanise them much more and I think that's, personally, I feel that's really useful because you, you actually see these people as people, you know, they're not these big bad investors anymore, Mm -hmm. are they?
1: Right. Well, one of the key secrets for your listeners is empathy. Empathy for the investor and empathy for your customer. If you pitch showing you have empathy for both of those, that will set you apart from almost everybody else in the room. Let me give you some examples of that. So if you speak to an investor and you're seeing things through their eyes, I imagine of all the pitches you hear today, et cetera, et cetera. That's empathy, right? You're putting yourself in their shoes. Having a great opening and a great closing is really key. A lot of people just end their pitch with any questions. That's not a closing. You need to involve them, have a collaborative conversation with the people you're pitching. I'd like to invite you to join our team so that we can solve this problem of world hunger or whatever it is that you're product is doing. Right. See how much more compelling that is to close. And you're asking them, you know, to invest and join the team. I invite you. All those kinds of words are showing empathy. And of course, empathy for your customer really shows, you know, the market better than anybody else, including your competitors. One of our clients, uh, Mike Mahini had uh, pitched for his new CRM called Viper and he had a very successful exit with the act database of over 48 million with his co-founder so you think somebody like that will have no trouble raising money but he was getting feedback that it just the pitch wasn't compelling so i looked at it and i said you're trying to be all things to all people tell me one story of one person you helped in one industry so we went through several stories and the one we picked was a skyscraper contractor came into the apple store and said i have 70 devices that all need to get integrated do who do you recommend that I use. And so Apple called Mike because of his background at ACT and said, does your new Viper uh, software do that? And he said, yes. And so the guy got the skyscraper built much faster than he would have because he could keep track of all the contacts inside his company and all the vendors he had to hire. We put that story into the pitch. The investor suddenly went, ah, now we understand the problem you're solving and how that applies to not just construction, but multiple industries. And he got the $4 million in funding that he was seeking, all because we went a deep dive into one story of one person of one customer he helped. Empathy for the customer.
0: I love that. You guys will remember Mike Muni from episode one three seven. Actually, we talked about <laughs> Viper and VIP Orbit and the way that it sort of came about after Act. So yeah, a lot of time for Mike, and that that story links together. Yeah, I think that that actually really rounds out a nice story about how he developed uh, the CRM as well. So thank you for throwing that in. That was a little bit of serendipity there, sir. So. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs>
1: Right. So you've got, you've got confidence, you've got a right brain connection. And then the final element to having a really successful pitch is the commitment aspect of it. You know, if one of my clients said, yeah, he works in artificial intelligence, Mike up in Fido labs in San Francisco said, I'm not sure if I need 2 million or 4 million. And I said, you're going to confuse the investor. And when you confuse an investor, the confused mind always says no. So that's why it's so key to have a story that's simple and easy to follow. That's why it's so important to not confuse people with a bunch of acronyms. So I said, if you, how much money do you need that's going to last you 18 months that will then, what milestones are you going to hit? And then once you have that nailed down, we can craft a story to go with it. And so he went, oh, okay. So in the case of artificial intelligence, you know, he's competing against IBM Watson and he's got a bunch of PhDs on his team and he starts talking about structured data and unstructured data. And I said, "Uh, Mike, you've got to tell this story as if I'm an investor that knows nothing about artificial intelligence, that even I could understand it. So what's your big point of difference between IBM Watson and Fido labs? Well, our artificial intelligence can understand verbs. And we can not only tell whether somebody's happy or unhappy, but why they're unhappy or unhappy. So there we go. I can understand that. And who will that benefit? Oh, well, brands who are monitoring their social media feed love to know if it's positive or negative, but they'd really love to know why people are happy or unhappy so they can do it. Fantastic. Let's come up with a story. You're married. Yes. All right. You come home. You find your wife crying. You don't know if it's tears of sadness because she got bad news, tears of joy because she's happy or tears because she's so frustrated you left your socks on the floor again. Right. And when you tell that story, people go, oh, I totally understand now why it's important to know why this is somebody's happy or unhappy from a personal story and then you talk about how that solves a problem for brands and, you know, so you see how you started off with structured, unstructured data and crafted that down and then from there, you know, crafted it down to I need two million million dollars. It's going to last me 18 months. Here's the milestones I'm going to hit during those 18 months. And what's so great about that is then he has a whole year to execute before he has to start going for his second round on the last six months of his 18-month window there. So 12-18-6 is the, is the strategy. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the storytelling there, <clears throat> excuse me, really, it just bolsters everything, doesn't it? It acts mm-hmm. as this launch part. <laughs> it acts as the, you know, you can fall back on the story. I, li- I really like the idea that you just, you know, you start with structured, unstructured data, and you suddenly, you've created something much more relatable and personable. So I can see the power within that. And you mentioned three C's inside there, John, which I'd love to dig into. And uh, obviously I know you put together three actionable tips, which actually do take the form of these three C's. So let's just recap actually the first C, the first actionable tip. What is that, sir?
1: The first one is confidence, you know, being prepared and no, don't wing it. And once And stack your moments of certainty and get the butterflies in your stomach to fly in formation. And finally, the superhero pose. So those are the four little tools in your toolbox. Maslow said if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, you tend to go around looking for a lot of nails to hit. So you don't have to pound yourself into feeling confident. You can prepare, stack your moments of certainty, take a superhero pose, and realize when you have those butterflies in your stomach that you're just going to get them to fly in formation by making a gesture to get that nervous energy out.
0: Like that. Stack your moments of certainty. That's a really, really great idea. And How do you go about that? That sounds like a really
1: implementable tip. How do you actually go about that? How do you structure these things? Sure. I tell people, I said, well, I love to give people examples. And then from there they come up with their own. I said, we can go back as far as you want. I don't have, did you ever win anything in school, a race, a medal, a ribbon, right? I don't care if it's best attendance, anything, when you felt good about yourself, uh, you asked somebody out on a date and it went well and you knew you are going to get a second date. You interviewed for a job. You're pretty sure you're going to get a second interview or at least maybe even the offer, whatever it takes to, feel, remember something that you did well, you know, uh, it took me three years to get my book published. And I remember what that felt like when I was holding it in my hand, I won salesperson of the year at Condé Nast in 2012. And I can always go back and close my eyes and remember that moment and what that felt like. So when I stack those moments of certainty, when I knew, when I set my mind to something and accomplished something, what that felt like. So when I'm tackling something new, I have all those feelings to bring into that moment or just going into pitch.
0: That is very useful, very, very useful. And again, it's back to that you you can fall back on these things and you can really... I remember seeing Brad Burton talk and we did a session about public speaking and he was saying a very similar thing insofar as just stack your stories. You know, have some things in the bank that you know you can call upon. And this is a very similar scenario. And I like the idea in a pitch of settling the nerves down and just, you know, using these moments of certainty for that. So I think that's so, so useful. And the second C, what was the second C, sir, for actionable this tip number
1: two? This is connection, a right brain connection. Make sure you are telling a story that is compelling and has the structure of exposition, conflict and resolution so that people are going to remember your stories, not your numbers. And when you have a connection with people through storytelling, you have an emotional connection. And it's so important to remember that people buy emotionally and then back it up with logic. People invest emotionally and then back it up with logic. So you have to have a story that pulls people in, even if they've agreed to let you pitch for 10 minutes. And that means you should have 10 slides, right? A minute, a slide, no more. You have to grab their attention in the first two, 90 seconds because they're not even going to continue to invest their time listening to you for the remaining nine minutes if you haven't grabbed their attention in the first minute with a great story.
0: And so it is about inspiring these investors, isn't it? It's about inspiring and getting, getting these people. On your side, for want of a better word, getting invested, you know, in your business and actually letting them see why it matters. I think that that's one of the things that you you sort of take it for granted when you're pitching. You you take it for granted that no one can possibly understand it as deeply as you, or no one's going to get it quite as much as you. And it's your job to inspire them to get it. And it, you know that storytelling feels like it has the power to do that. So again, such a such a really powerful tip there. And the
1: third and final C, please, sir. It is all about a connection, you know, uh, and, and the connection, and then you go right into the commitment, you know, be very smart on exactly how much money you need and how long it's going to last. And then don't forget to ask them to give you another meeting or an, an investment. Every meeting should have an agenda and an objective. How know what's the criteria for this being a successful pitch right we got another meeting or we got the funding or we're you know now in due diligence or whatever the next step is but unless you have a commitment defined and a commitment of how much money you need you need to be very clear on both
0: that's very interesting so commitment yeah absolutely and the word commitment in in that context is very much about knowing what you want to get what you want to gain and what you want to give that's a very important thing as well what you want to so fantastic. John, that has been such a pleasure. I've really enjoyed that. I've learned such a pile myself, this journey that myself and Adam are on. So thank you so much for
1: that, sir. It's my pleasure. I always love being able to inspire people to take what they think is very difficult and break it down into actionable steps so that they can then become more confident and storytellers that rule the world because you know, people listen to your stories. In fact, let's say you get an objection from a customer that your price is too high. Well, if you go right into a story of another customer then they're listening to your story. They're not getting defensive. And a story has a beginning, middle, and end. And you probably get a little bit longer to tell, make your point than you would if you were just to give them a one-word answer of why your price is what it is.
0: Yeah, again, really good example. And it's kind of the, the art of persuasion as well, isn't it? That telling the story and framing it in such a way that they see the value, they see the benefit, they see actually what you want them to see. So again, <clears throat> excuse me. that's a really it's a really solid example actually because that's one of the most difficult processes we face as anyone in business will tell you you know sales is just it can be just really tough because we're not all cut out for it so a really really great example and John just before we stick a pin in it I can't believe we've been talking for 30 minutes it it, Mm -hmm. it amazes me how these these things just fly but we are going to stick a pin in it in a second but where can people find you online please so what do you have for people
1: sure well for the listeners of your podcast I have two free gifts one is Uh, one sheet that talks about the three mistakes to avoid when you're pitching that relates to the three C's of confidence, connection, and commitment. And you can put that in the show notes. Um, You can also tweet me and ask me for it at John underscore Livesey, L-I-V as in Victor, E-S-A-Y. I'm also at johnlivesey.com. And I have a podcast that's free called The Successful Pitch. You can get that on iTunes or YouTube or anywhere you want.
0: Super stuff. Check it out, guys. John does some fantastic work, honestly. Connect with him over on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever. Please, please, please check out his content because it really is superb. And you guys will recognise Judy Robinett as well that John mentioned earlier on. <laughs> Judy has been a fantastic guest on the show earlier on in the run. So please, please, please check those guys out.
1: John, thank yeah. you once again, sir. You're welcome. And finally, uh, the free the other free gift we have is from Judy and from me, which is a Crack the Funding Code workbook for you to have some great answers and questions to be prepared when you're pitching. And um, I'll give you that to post in your um, show notes as well.
0: Super stuff. We'll get it in there, guys. Don't worry. Everything will be there as ever. Beautiful, sir. Really, really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for doing this. We should do a follow-up as well to talk about uh, various other problems that you help people with because I know you are you are quite the globe-trotter and you're helping quite a lot of people <laughs> across the world. So yeah, we should we should get booked back in,
1: sir. I would love that. Thanks, Mark.
0: Fantastic. Guys, don't forget, John has said a heck of a lot of high-quality stuff there and has given away two fantastic giveaways that will both be available at excellence-expected.com. And whilst you're over there, don't forget, of course that we've got a whole host of small business content. So please spend a little time on there. And if you find anything useful, if you found this episode useful, if you find some of the content on the website useful, just do me one small favor, please, and just tell someone that you know will benefit from it. Thank you so much for that. And guys, until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Catch you later.